I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Welcome to another episode of the After the Storm podcast, episode 14. And this is part one of the season one finale. So decided recently to kind of take a little break. As fun as this is and as much as I like having this platform, you do have to take some breaks here and there. Uh, it does get difficult conducting the interview and then uh, editing and doing this whole thing putting the whole process together it can be time consuming and sometimes as much as i love doing it, it can feel like a little extra work so just gotta take a little bit of time off refresh and let life happen so that we can make more of these episodes have more people on and continue the process that after the storm was created to do but in the meantime today's episode is a very very special episode today i have the most influential person of my entire 20s on the, the show my best friend michelle who moved to hawaii about a year and a half ago now and is acclimating uh, to her new lifestyle but man michelle's story is one like you've never seen before and so we recently got together and had a little two-hour conversation that we just had to split up into two episodes. As long as I've known Michelle, she's never been one who's been reluctant to be open and share what she's thinking, what she's going through, and her story in general. And so today's interview conversation is the most vulnerable and the most authentic and just real one yet that we've had on the podcast and so i'm really looking forward to you guys getting to hear it so for those of you that don't know my name is eddie and i'll be your host and guide through the after the storm podcast so feel free to sit back relax as we enjoy this journey through life self-acknowledgement and of course music going on everybody we're back with another interview this is a very very special interview uh today we have my very very best friend of the past 10 years or so a person whose name has been synonymous with mine uh my very dearest best friend i can sit here and say a million wonderful things about her but we're about to have a very long conversation so i'm sure you'll hear plenty of it throughout it but uh without further ado michelle welcome to the show how are you I'm good. Doing good. Just here. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. So, Michelle, before we start, because there will be some people who listen to the show that may not know who you are, who have never met you. Um, 
And so uh, what we like to do on the show is we like to start everyone with our little podcast questionnaire. If you don't know how it works, it's 10 little questions. You're going to answer with the very first thing that comes to mind. No pressure, no worries, but it's just, you know, so that people can kind of get to know you a little bit better. No pressure, but all the pressure. No, no pressure at all. I mean, these answers don't matter. It's just so that people can get a little bit of idea of who you are and, you know, you can kind of loosen up the conversation to start up. So are you ready for the questionnaire? As ready as I'll ever be. All right, let's do it. You sound a little more enthused about it, you know, just a little bit. What? (laughs) All right, here we go. Ready. What is your favorite song? That's tough because uh-huh. there's so many songs out there, um, so much good music out there. But I would have to say my favorite song is "The Less I Know, The Better" by Tame Impala. Um, doesn't really matter what I'm doing or what kind of mood I'm in. Um, whenever I hear that song, I'm instantly in a better mood. Whether I'm driving with the windows down, or in the shower, or cleaning, or if I'm pissed, like just listening to that song instantly makes me feel better what is your least favorite song <laughs> i hate this question because <laughs> um there's a lot of songs out there that i hate mm-hmm. um and you know i i don't like country music just off the top of my head pretty boy swag <laughs> not even a song i'm not sure what the fuck that is but i, I hate that song okay. so Shout out to Soldier Boy. All right. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite personality trait in a person? I really love people who are funny, who can make me laugh. Okay. It's always going to be a good time with someone who has a great sense of humor. Um, people who have dark humor, too, because Ooh. it's kind of kind of humor I have. So definitely someone who's funny and okay. someone who's kind. What is your least favorite personality trait in a person? It's someone who's manipulative. Absolutely. Fuck the manipulation. I hate that shit. Right, what is your favorite curse word? Probably fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I love the word fuck. I think there's no better curse word out there. And not even in terms of uh, a curse word. But I, I don't think there's a better word out there when it comes to describing um, like exact the, the exaggeration and the passion that comes with saying the word fuck and yeah. the, em- the emphasis the word fuck can put on in its situation it's so versatile i think fuck is the perfect curse word what is your favorite movie oh i do i i really love Coraline. i just love the claymation the artwork the all the dedication and hard work that went into that movie but ever since i was little i i really loved gladiator it was one of the first movies i saw on a vhs tape um, and it just puts me in my feels and I had a childhood crush on Russell Crowe and I don't know, Gladiator's just such a good movie. What celebrity or public figure could you completely live without? The Kardashians, the Jenners, I don't I don't give a fuck <laughs> about those people. I hate them so much. I, I don't care to see their faces on anything, advertisements, I just don't care about those people. Yeah, because they, they have everything and yet they don't they don't do anything differently right what profession other than your own would you like to attempt well i don't think i would attempt it but i did want to go to art school i wanted to work for pixar and be a pixar animator or illustrator specifically i would love to have worked with the storyboard and just Mm -hmm. the concept art when it comes to making one of those films uh if you had one song left to live what would it be 
I'm gonna choose the same song, my favorite song, um, just because if I were dying, listening to that song would probably make me feel a little better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feel a little bit better about dying. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I wouldn't even want to hear God mm-hmm. or see God because I don't really believe in Him. But if heaven were a real thing, the only people that I would really want to see are my grandparents embracing me mm-hmm. and having them there. So my what heaven would, is with them. And what would they say to you? Hola, mi corazón. Oh. <laughs> and then I would cry. <laughs> Naturally. Okay. That was a good answer. That was definitely the most unique answer we've had so far. So right off of that, the first question I always like to ask, and it's a question that we don't ask enough. And when we do, we get a very vague response most of the time from people. And that question is, how are you? How are you doing? How is this era of your life treating you? And just give me the vibe of your overall standing currently. Um, I'm doing well. I I love life here in Hawaii. So it's definitely a different lifestyle. Um, just got a new job. So settling into that transitioning into that new role in my life mm-hmm. um but i am well i mean so we have a lot a lot a lot to discuss um but the first thing i wanted to uh, discuss um it's kind of the reason that i mean we had discussed having you on the show for a while now but you texted me uh about like a week ago or so you said i'm ready to be on your show and kind of based on the timing and just your instagram stories i got the feeling that you wanted to express your thoughts and talk about like Roe v. Wade and that situation. So talk me through your thoughts, how it's affected, you know, you and how you see like this decision for the future of like, you know, women and women's rights. Just kind of walk me through. I know it's like a lot to, to, to go over, but I know you have a lot on your mind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary being a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had this conversation even without Roe v. Wade on how I feel like I'm not the only woman to think about this, but how differently my life would be if I was a man and not mm. a woman. Um, but even even before the overturning of Roe v. Wade and just when the draft leaked out, that's that was scary in itself because you know people don't really think it's going to happen until it happens, and yep. lo and behold, it did happen, and uh, it's just scary. And especially that 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 passed and happened during a time where you didn't even think that could pass and be a law. Mm. It was hard enough for it to happen then, and the fact that it happened now, where we thought we were moving so forward with our generation and with mm-hmm. women's rights and gay rights and everything, because it's not just it doesn't affect only women; it affects everyone. It's not mm-hmm. just a woman's issue; it's a it's a human issue because it's not just abortion, it's, yeah. it's the right to privacy. And then it covers, it's an umbrella for other stuff like, in, you know, gay marriage and interracial marriage and interracial relationships. And it's the right to privacy and whatever the fuck you want to do behind closed doors. And yeah. it's scary because it's just an, it's an invasion of that. But hearing about that, it's, it's so scary and it's terrifying to, cause it also, Yes, like it puts into perspective like your own position and how you feel about it and what your own circumstance could be. And then thinking about all the other people it affects, but specifically it affects, you know, 
I know not, I'm on the show, but talking about me and my personal experience with it, and uh, you know, and we'll we'll get the, we'll get back to it when it comes to me talking about cancer and going onto that platform, but um, specifically, I'm I'm here to use myself to inform other people and educate other people and. Um, especially women out there who have had abortions and they don't want to share their stories, which is okay because to each their own. But in sharing your stories, you're able to talk to other people and try to have them understand and where you're coming from and how it can affect them. And, and it definitely affects me because I had an abortion and a lot of, I don't say a lot, but good chunk of my close friends already know that um but for those out there who don't i did have an abortion um i had an abortion on may 29th and i found out i was pregnant um i want to say in the middle of april um and that was rough in itself you know people for the most part or I was like, oh my God, like you're pregnant. Oh my God, like amazing. There's so much happiness surrounded. Um, so much happiness surrounding it. And which is not a bad thing, you know. But in my situation, there wasn't a lot of happiness around it. Um, I didn't even think I could get pregnant. So that was shocking in itself. But because there was so much sadness around it. I was freaking out. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And what was scarier was that the draft for Roe v. Wade was leaked two days after I found out I was pregnant. And I would be lying if I say that that didn't play a factor in the decision that I had. But it did. Because, and thankfully, I'm not in fucking Florida anymore. Because I would totally not feel safe in Florida. Thankfully, I'm in a safe state where that, having access to a safe abortion, I, I have the access to that. And I have the choice to have that. Um, but it, it definitely was more like, well, this is just a draft. It's just an idea. It's not going to fucking happen. And it's not going to happen overnight. Which... In terms of overnight, I was talking to one of my best friend's sister, who's an attorney, and she was telling me about, you know, <clears throat> the details in terms of, like, even if this is just a draft, it's just a draft, it could take them, like, six months. Just an idea. Six months before this could happen. And it only took one month. One month from the draft being leaked for it to be overturned and that was an extra you know four weeks into thinking well i'm this many weeks pregnant by the time this happens even though i'm in a safe state it's still fucking scary because just like we didn't know that that could happen overnight i don't know what the fuck could happen in the next two weeks even if i'm in a safe state what if it becomes an unsafe state what if you know, that shit just happens nationwide. And I'm already picturing and going through all these scenarios in my head. 
without that without the situation happening and this really didn't help it but at least me going through with an abortion because and i don't even have to give a because because they're my reasons but at least me making the decision of having an abortion was my decision and no one else's not the government's even though they did play a part in pushing me towards this decision because of the draft being leaked and then but i had my abortion and um and then it was overturned and i was more comfortable with my decision very happy with the decision i made but yeah i want to say thank you for sharing i you know we talk a lot so going into this conversation i knew uh, about this and even when we spoke about uh talking about roe v wade and everything that didn't necessarily mean that I knew that you were going to share this story. So the fact that you did, obviously, and you didn't have to, shows a lot. So obviously, thank you. I know how difficult of that situation that was, um, you know, and that's just, I remember you calling me and you tell, like, I'm literally, I was just working on something and you FaceTime me and you're like, I'm pregnant. And I look at you, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, I thought it was a joke. And you're like, A lot no. of people thought it was a joke until I showed them the pregnancy test. Yeah. And then, guess what? I showed you an ultrasound later, too. Yeah. How, how far along would you have been right now? If I was still pregnant, well, I was, I was seven weeks pregnant when I found out. And then I was actually nine weeks when I had my abortion. Actually... <laughs> I probably would have been like 18 or 19 weeks pregnant right now. Wow. I, like I said, there was a lot of sadness around it and I, and it's nothing. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I don't regret it. Um, just wasn't ready. You know, I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I still just started my life here and wasn't ready to completely turn my life around for a baby. And mm -hmm. it's just right now it's, not sustainable to have a child and it's life is already tough and exhausting without a kid i can't imagine having a kid right now especially i mean you've had so many life-changing moments over the past five years uh you know from moving from uh your situation with breast cancer and <laughs> stuff that we'll definitely get into uh later on in the conversation but obviously this being the most recent and then with the timing of everything going on what did you do to kind of cope with just the stress of it all? And did you have conversations with people? And, and if you, if you don't mind also, you know, kind of walking through that process of like how you went about the abortion and, you know, yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Cause it's, like I said, I want to be here to help anyone else that could possibly be my situation, but mm -hmm. um, especially for anyone out there who's not in a safe state and, they might need help, possibly want to know what their options are. Um, but basically, I played the scenarios in my head, decided that this is what I wanted. This is what was best for me. I called Planned Parenthood here in Honolulu, which there's only <clears throat> one on the island. And I made an appointment with them, made an appointment to do an ultrasound just to confirm that pregnancy. I had already taken three at-home pregnancies that, so that I was positive. So I went, made the appointment with them. When I got to Planned Parenthood, which I've n never stepped into a Planned Parenthood before, um, and me being a woman, I'm 
obviously wasn't even as educated as I thought I was about Planned Parenthood. But I know that Planned Parenthood was <clears throat> not only for me, but for men as well. Because when I went there, there was three men standing in line. Um, they were there to have like an STD test done, et cetera, whatever, any other services that they offer to men. But so I went there and went to the back um, because also early they had to do um, a, a vaginal ultrasound as well. So um, then they told me I was seven weeks pregnant. Be even before starting, they ask you. Yeah. So I actually, um, I had a coworker of mine. Um, she had an abortion and she kind of talked me through her experience and what she did. But so I had called um, Planned Parenthood to make an appointment and they were like, oh, are you sure you're pregnant? And I was like, yeah, I had taken three tests that confirmed that I was positive and also had an inkling when I was at work and I noticed that my body was changing. I was had these sudden uh, instances of nausea and I wasn't super far along, but I could tell that my pants were getting tighter and it just, it's, it's something seemed off, but I called Planned Parenthood, um, made that appointment and then they were like, all right, so we can, um, just schedule an abortion service or we can schedule an ultrasound than this. But the ultrasound was just to really confirm that I was pregnant because they don't confirm, um, your pregnancies with blood work. They have to do it with an ultrasound. Um, and I was still too early where it was just a regular ultrasound where they scan your belly. Um, so they had to do a vaginal ultrasound with the machine. Um, and I was seven weeks pregnant. Um, so that was weird to hear. And it still didn't feel like it was real, even though it was verbally said and printed out an ultrasound for me to look at. Very real. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really hit me, but, um, cause you know, I didn't, I didn't even think that was possible for me. Um, mm. it just, if you quickly, I know we'll get into it later, but could you explain why it was that you weren't even sure that you could have kids? I you wasn't could... sure because of treatment. Right. From chemo, right? <clears throat> right. Correct. Cause okay. they said that prior to chemo that my fertility could be affected. Um, and it's possible that I might not be able to have kids after chemo and I wouldn't really know until I was trying to have kids which obviously wasn't trying to have kids mm -hmm. but um it was what it was and i just didn't think that i could get pregnant at all but yeah so it was kind of a shocker um but it's kind of the silver lining that my body's healthy enough where i can i have the ability to get pregnant naturally didn't think i'd be aborting my first kid or first situation but mm -hmm. it's what happened um yeah so told me i was seven weeks pregnant um even prior to doing the ultrasound um, like i said i've never been to a planned parenthood before so i'm not sure how it works but they even ask you before they start anything you know the usual confirmed name like date of birth and then they ask um <clears throat> are you being abused in any way are you being forced to be here and if so, like, this is what we can do. Also, if you are in a situation right now where you are attempting to harm yourself, we do have to call the authorities. And Thankfully, I've never been in that situation, but I was like, holy shit. Like, no, mm -hmm. like, 
no one's forcing me here like whatever anyways um so that was kind of intense by itself but they're like do you do you want to continue this pregnancy or do you want to terminate and at that moment I had a good idea of what I wanted to do but there's still like there's no pressure you don't have to decide right now you can go home think about it whatever but these are your options when it comes to having an abortion and um you have two options the first one is to have the awake surgical procedure, um, which is where uh, all they do is they give you a mild sedative and they go in with a machine vaginally and it's kind of like a vacuum and they just uh, kind of suck it out and the procedure's over in like five minutes. However, Again, they only give you a mild sedative. There's no pain medication for this. None whatsoever. They're just there to relax you and they just fucking go in. No pain meds. I don't know why, but anyways. I don't know why, but it just seems like yeah. they just in these situations, they like women to suffer. And it's kind of sad. Um, but anyways, the other option is to have a pill option, a, a pill abortion, where it's kind of, you're, you're inducing a miscarriage. So, um, at least that way it happens a little more naturally. Um, but you take one medication at the office and that medication kind of starts the process. It, uh, I apologize. I don't know the actual terminology, but, um, it kind of stops the pregnancy right? It prevents from it going any further along, prevents from the fetus growing. So that when you take, and that one doesn't, there's no, there's no real side effects. You just take the pill and then you're fine. Um, and then you take the second part of the medication at home. And that um, consists of four pills. You put two pills in each cheek at the bottom of your mouth between your gums and your cheeks. And you let it kind of dissolve there. You have to let it dissolve for 30 minutes. And then you swish and swallow whatever remaining is left. And what those pills do is it, that's what's forcing the miscarriage. So it's basically forcing, it's telling your body to force your uterus to push. Like, I don't want to say it's similar to birth because I've never you know, given birth, but it's the same concept of like your body is dilating. It's causing your uterus and everything down there to open and push out. But because I took another two weeks to think about things and what I really wanted to do in all the scenarios and really 100%, this is what I wanted to do. I was, I believe nine weeks along when I had my abortion. So the earlier you know, you do it the more, the easier it is. But because I was further along, they gave me two doses for it to be more effective. Um, and so I did that option. I did the pill option just because it was more of a quote unquote natural release from the body versus having them go in there 
with no pain meds and just doing whatever the fuck they do in there. Um, so that process when I, and mind you, after I swished and swallowed those pills, probably took 30 minutes to kick in and I was dying in my bathroom for a good, mm. like seven and a half hours. I mean, it was not pleasant, but I'm very happy with my decision. I'm very happy with it. And I don't regret it. I'm not ashamed of it. It's what was best for me. And it was scary, but I've been through shit. So it, it could have been worse. And yeah. I'm very lucky to have had the option to choose for myself and decide for myself and have access to that and have the ability to do that for myself. You know, we've talked about it in length, plenty, and me, you know, as being one of your one of your best friends, I'm fully supportive of your decision. I'm proud of you. I know you did what was best and just it's important that you even had the option because uh, a lot of people now really don't have the option. I and that's so fucking scary. And that's honestly what I've been thinking about ever since it was overturned too. I was like, fuck, like, and, and those are the safe options. Because it's not like it's going to stop abortion. It's just going to stop safe abortions, essentially. Right. Yeah. And I just, it, that's so fucking scary. And I just, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Just if you don't, it's, and I know everyone says it and it's a shared opinion for a lot of people but like if you just don't want an abortion then don't get one you have yeah. every right to believe in whatever you want to believe if your religion says don't get a fucking abortion it's fucking wrong then you believe it's fucking wrong and guess what you can decide to not have an abortion mm -hmm. but that doesn't give you any fucking right to take that away from someone else it's not your fucking life and i i don't i don't understand how and especially as other women but how people are celebrating it being overturned because you who you as a person if you're celebrating if you're if you're celebrating that you're celebrating death you are maybe not in, obviously in their minds in their co context of what they're thinking but like you're you're celebrating more than just like what you you're celebrating people's rights being taken away you're you're celebrating like fucking destruction and death and i don't understand how you can be happy about that because again like we said like roe versus wade isn't just about women it's a it's a it's not a woman's issue it's a it's a human issue and it affects more than just me it affects you it affects everyone who has a right to privacy which is every fucking person here every fucking person has the right to privacy and what they want to fucking do and then they're just celebrating the destruction of that so you're literally celebrating all the fucking potential like futures of people who they're gonna fucking die and every and it's not every fucking person Every person has, we all come from a woman. Everyone has a mother or a sister or a niece or a best friend or a grandma or an aunt. Like it's, and we're not here like, yes, we want abortions. Women want abortions. Like, yeah, like no woman wants to have an abortion. It's, you just need access to one. 
We're not out here like, hell yeah, we fucking want it all the time. We're not using that in terms of a contraceptive. You just need to have access to one. And no one's here aborting babies at fucking nine months pregnant. No one's here doing that. Majority of of abortions are done way earlier in that beginning window. And, Mm. And I just... I just don't understand. And in terms of having a miscarriage, you can't control that. So you're telling me I can go to fucking jail for having a miscarriage for something that happens all the time, that happens so naturally. My One of my tias had a miscarriage. Actually, she'd have two, I'm pretty sure. A miscarriage is fucking natural. Ectopic pregnancies, it's fucking deadly. Like... Why does it have to get to the point where a woman is dying or the person that's caring is dying for you to intervene? Like, I don't, I just, I can't, it's fucking ridiculous. I'm, yeah. I'm livid about it and everyone should be fucking livid about it. Cause it affects everyone. It's, yeah. and it's not just that. And it's going to, just like we said, like, no, that's not going to happen. It's going to be the same thing with sex marriage, the uh, same sex marriage when it happens, mm. they want to overturn that. And then it's gonna be fucking interracial shit. And it's just we keep on taking steps backwards. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't get it. I just wanna say uh again, you know, thank you for sharing that because obviously it's like a lot. Um, you know, it's been a tough journey. I've seen you overcome a lot in this these ten years that I've known you. Uh but this is definitely up there, especially with the timing. Um so thanks for using this like as a moment to kind of like reach out and, t- and talk to people about, you know, the, the, this topic. Um, I know it wasn't easy. I kind of wanted to segue that quickly into uh, kind of some parental, like family kind of stuff. You know, we talk a lot about uh, upbringing in this podcast and the effects that uh, your relationship with your parents can have on you as a person, your personality. And, you know, being so close to you, I've seen it firsthand, but I kind of want to get your take on uh your relationship with your parents you know uh, and uh kind of your siblings and whatnot if you'd like to go into that as well um i mean i love my dad and i love i do love my mom but it's more like i love the mom that she used to be um and you know i always had issues with my mom um during our friendship but it's just weird because we we grew up so close, like the four of us, my parents and my brother. And we were just like this close, tight-knit family. And then like, you know, shit happened. And it's kind of like, I feel like I'm an only child and just have a relationship with my dad. But I'll just try to get my mom out of the way first. But mom was great to me growing up till, you know, she decided to leave because she was unhappy, which, again, to each their own. Like, I don't understand um, what happens between a marriage, what happens between two people inside a marriage because I've never been married and I don't know what happens behind closed doors. But I got divorced is when shit started to hit the fan. And, you know, growing up in a Hispanic household, then I think you can attest this to a, a lot of times with the way that our parents were raised. They you know, um, kind of reflect some of what they've gone through onto us. And 
my mom was the number one guilt tripper of my life. And it does get to you to a certain point, but there was just um, a point in my life where I was like, enough is enough. And I kind of cut off her power there. And then she kind of started feeling bad once I didn't give her that power anymore. And then she was trying to worm her way back into my life. But it's kind of hard, you know, was it trying to be that wasn't my mindset being disrespectful towards her but it was just more like i need to fucking take care of myself and not my sanity not my mom's like i'm i'm not her kid i'm sorry she's not my kid is what i meant sorry i meant like she's not my kid i it's not my job to take care of my mom it's not my job to love her and i i couldn't put my life on hold to take care of her and risk my sanity so I kind of just cut ties with her and sucks for her, but it's not about her. It was about me mm. and what I needed. And I needed her out of my life and I needed to just have her out of my life and love her from a distance. And that's all I could do for her. So you set those boundaries. <clears throat> Hell yeah, I set those boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I needed those boundaries. and. Even if she didn't never understood that, again, it wasn't about her, it was about me. And she made her choices and her decisions in her life and I needed to do mine. And that included cutting my relationship with my mom because she honestly brought out the worst in me and she guilt tripped me, made me feel like shit for her decisions. And I just couldn't deal with that anymore. And her and, and the way that I see our relationship her, I don't want to say punishment because it's kind of, it sounds like a harsh word, but it is a punishment for her in her eyes. But her, her punishment is not having a relationship with me. And she gets to see my life and see how happy I am without being a part of it. She doesn't get to be a part of my life. And I'm so cordial with her when I see her during holidays and birthdays and stuff. But that's the extent of it. I only talk to her if I'm like, all right, I have a moment to talk. But other than that, it's not even a relationship. It's a situationship with her. And that's what it is. And with my dad, it's the complete opposite. Um, I wasn't really close to him growing up. But then that was the best thing that happened out of the divorce. Is I, I got a relationship with him that I never had. And he's my he's my best friend. Yeah. He he's and he's never been someone who's been cariñoso. He's never been super physically affectionate. He's never been a hugger, and but he's always been there, and he's always been supportive no matter what. And he's he's always helped me financially no matter what. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the part of me that I'm so glad that I became and I got to embrace. Um, I got my stubbornness from him, but. He's taught me so much. I don't know where I'd be without him. Yeah. Diving into that, I mean, you just kind of hit on it. You got your, your stubbornness <laughs> from your dad, as you said. What kind of role do you think that that upbringing that you had and kind of the traits that your parents have, you know, what kind of role does that have on you and your personality in the current day? And maybe like uh, as you were growing up as well. I mean, I definitely got my emotions and my emotional aspect from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, like being so in tune with them and you know when it comes like I said when it comes to crying and stuff I feel like there's a lot of 
I don't want to associate her with all the negative, but for the most part, the negative parts of my life and my personality come from her. Like my anxiety stems from my trauma with her and my sadness. And like every time I, you know, I even look like my mom more than my dad. So Mm -hmm. when I see myself crying and struggling in the mirror, I just see a reflection of her face crying. And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be her, but part of me is her. Yeah. You know, but I don't want to completely be just the negative aspect of her, you know, but I guess also her maternal instincts when I was younger is part of the maternal instincts that I have. And then I, one thing I've noticed uh, being around your family so much is, uh, and I don't necessarily relate to this and you can attest to it, that I don't really necessarily have a big uh, family. Like, you know, I have my cousins and stuff, but they, we aren't really necessarily close. Like we don't have like a lot of, uh, get-togethers on Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know, it's very tight-knit um, internally. But on your side, you know, I've been to Christmases with you and Thanksgivings and holidays, and you have a much kind of bigger family. Uh, you're very close with your cousins, especially, and some of your aunts as well. So yeah. what was it like having that uh, family foundation and that relationship that you still have with your cousins, and especially since you're a lot of you are around the same uh, age group? I mean, I, I love having that. I mean, I, I was the first granddaughter. So I did go like four years of my life before I had anyone else below me. Um, it's just my brother and my older cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just girl after girl after girl. <laughs> so kind of got, I got the sisters that I never really had. Yeah. Um, but they're like my babies. You know, I, I love them so much and, I'm, I support everything that they do and I like having so many of them to talk to and having their moms around, even though I don't have a relationship with my mom, I've got them. So they're not directly the, you know, the women who gave birth to me, but they are like my moms and I can talk to them about anything. And I have that comfort and that safe zone with them. And not, not to, not to like jump too far ahead. Cause I plan on getting into this a little bit later, but being that you made this move to Hawaii and being so far away, um, I feel like this is a very obvious answer, but, you know, has one of the more difficult things been being away from the family and not being able to be there for, you know, those birthdays or those kind of holiday events and having to plan ahead of time for like, you know, can I travel for this holiday and whatnot? I mean, it's definitely been a struggle and I've, I've been homesick um, since I've left, but like not, I've been homesick for my friends and my family, not so much my lifestyle in Miami. Mm-hmm. I'm not homesick for Miami. <laughs> I'm homesick for friends, family, and Spanish food. That's pretty much it. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad not being there because, and we've talked about this before, but I'm, I'm always the person that's there. Mm-hmm. I, I always, because that's, really the only thing that you really can do as a family member is just show up like my two cousins just graduated mm-hmm. Tasia just graduated and Nicholas just graduated high school and like I wish I could be there um but thankfully they're part of a more understanding generation and they get it too you know they're like we know you love us but you do your thing we'll do our thing and 
you know, they're not going to guilt trip me or hold it against me for not yeah. being there. Yeah. No. As much as they supported me making this move out here, support them and would want the same for them. Yeah. No, I've definitely seen a lot of it and definitely a fan of, of the family. And when I've been there, you know, for any of the gatherings, they've taken me in as one of their own as well. So I definitely attest to a lot of that. Uh, so this is the part in the conversation where I kind of like to have a little disruptor. So being as that this is going to be a quite a bit of a long conversation with most guests, I usually ask them to bring two songs onto the show, but Michelle, I tasked you with four songs, which I know wasn't easy, (laughs) but if you'd like to go ahead and, uh, you know, say something about this first song that you're picking and you know what it means to you or maybe it's just a song that you like but you know you want to go ahead and 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 go for it just because it's been stuck in my head but it's provenza oh it's a great song i love i love carol g that's i just love my life it's been stuck in my head and i've been playing it on repeat yes yes okay okay perfect so I literally have an episode dedicated to Cairo G. It was one of the first episodes. So the fact that you picked the song is amazing. Uh, so, okay, without further ado, this is Provenza by Cairo G. Baby, Estoy free, 
Okay, so that was Provenza by Carl G. A, fan, a fantastic choice. I, I, I would die for Carl G. I love her so much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, that first half of the the conversation we covered a lot. But uh, the next thing I want to get into is something that I think throughout the majority of uh, of our friendship. Uh, I think it's something that I didn't necessarily understand too well. That I didn't really go through too much but i i saw you go through it a lot but you know over the past two three years now i've kind of started to have a little bit of my own um and that's anxiety for me for a very long time it, it was not that it was a foreign concept but it was just something that i had those you know i had those regular anxieties of just like being late to places or getting lost on my way somewhere right like or like before an interview but nothing crazy like i wouldn't have anxiety attacks or anything like that but you know, now having it, I can kind of pinpoint certain moments in our friendship, right? When uh, you have been, you may have been going through stuff that I wasn't really able to fully uh, comprehend. So, off the bat, I just want to ask you: Would you consider yourself an anxious or like an emotionally driven person? I'm both. Mm. Um, I also th- do. You remember once that like we were driving, we were leaving, like we were driving, and I had a panic attack while I was driving. I think I do remember that. Like I was driving and then I realized, I want to say like after like 36 seconds that I wasn't breathing and I had to pull over to the side of the road because I couldn't breathe. Yes. I didn't even know like a panic attack was happening until I realized I wasn't breathing. I do. And you know what? That reminds me now of another time uh, when it was, we were just at your apartment. I think we were sleeping and then you woke up and I woke up, you couldn't breathe and, and you like had like a, like you were seeing because you, you see the rings and stuff too right with yeah, your migraine had an aura. and i i i didn't know what was going i didn't know what was going on and at that point i definitely wasn't you know educated literally about a year ago right now it was about like july 15th or 16th i had my first panic attack first one so after that a lot of things make sense so now looking back yeah i i, I guess you did have a couple of them that i wasn't able to pinpoint but yeah i mean so when that happens what do you usually do to kind of cope with it? Um, so like I said, a lot of that started stemming from my issues with my mom. So part of the reason why I also cut off my mom too, is just to cut off all that anxiety and trying to have less panic attacks in my life. Cause I never had panic attacks in my life until then I had read up a lot of, um, about panic attacks and a lot of it has to do with your breathing. As cliche as that sounds, but mm-hmm. It's more like when you're in your, I think it's called your flight or fight mode. Yes. Type of thing. Um, but you can do that with your breathing. So whenever I'm feeling anxious or I think I'm about to have a panic attack, I just, I mentally tell myself like, okay, it's going to happen or it's about to happen. I can control this a little more if I control my breathing. Yeah. So when your heart rate and you start to yourself, um, 
start to freak out even more, hold my breath. So I would inhale and hold my breath for like seven seconds and then exhale slowly. Cause that way you get a control of the breathing before you even attempt or you start hyperventilating. At least that's what happens to me when I have a panic attack. I start hyperventilating and freaking out. Um, mm -hmm. But at least I can control my breathing and prevent me from hyperventilating. So I'll just hold my breath for like seven seconds, exhale slowly, hold my breath, exhale slowly. And you kind of control the breathing. Your heart rate could still be a little high up, but you have somewhat of a control of your breathing. Have you had a, a panic attack or anxiety attack since you moved to Hawaii? I had one. Uh -huh. actually i had one while i was on a zipline tour and i was able to control it because i think it was the end of that one tour but i had a very long way to go before i was back at the beginning where i can actually take my harness off and sit down and control myself and i don't really i don't know exactly what triggered it um it just kind of came out of nowhere but i, I mean I, I mean i could have been stressed that day at work but I know a lot of the time when I was at the zipline park, um, weather played a factor because when it was hot, I'd get cranky and everyone just kind of gets cranky in the heat. Um, so I think the heat played a factor that I wasn't like really feeling well. So I started freaking out. That could have probably triggered it. Um, but I finished the rest of my tour because it was, you know, the safety of the people that I had with me versus my own. And then I freaked out later. Yeah, I, I feel like when you're closer to your some of the things that trigger you or when you deal with them more often, then it's probably more likely to uh, to happen or when those things are fresh in mind. Uh, so you mentioned that your mom and your stuff with your mom was one of your, your triggers and one of the things that really led to you having those attacks. One thing knowing you, and this goes for like a lot of people, because I felt the same way about myself, uh, school wasn't necessarily you know, your favorite thing wasn't my favorite thing either. No, fuck school. <laughs> um, but one thing that a lot of people have that I would kind of want to ask you, because you did end up graduating, uh, despite, you know, you did, you did, uh, you know, with all that, I want to ask, did you have any anxieties about finding your purpose for school? Were there times where you felt like, this is stupid, what am I doing? Like, I want to quit. Or did you kind of just persevere through that throughout the way and not really think about it too much? I mean, not that I ever fully wanted to quit, but I was more leaning towards quitting just because I thought I couldn't succeed academically. Like I said, I was, and all my other best friends know this, I've never really, I've never been about school. I was always, I literally did the bare minimum. I never did AP classes. I never like, you know, studied my ass off. I never really succeeded or I'm sorry, excelled in my courses. I just did the bare minimum. My C's get degrees type of thing. I just fucking passed. Like I just did enough just to get over that hump. I don't think I ever really struggled with finding my purpose because mm -hmm. I never really had a decision as what as to what I wanted my purpose to be. I just kind of wanted to just graduate and see where I go. I've never really been a person with a plan. Mm. I kind of just figure shit out. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> so when you graduated, was that kind of did it feel like a giant monkey was off your back, or was it kind of just like, well, that was it? No, I mean it, it felt great. It, it it felt amazing because, like I said, I didn't think I'd. 
I didn't think I'd graduate at all. And I'm not going to lie when I tell you that my GPA was shit, but it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did take, you know, about a semester or two off um, when I was like, because I, I started off as a bio major. Mm-hmm. And then I slowly wanted to do something with art. Like maybe I can do architecture at FIU. And then I was like, well, fuck that. And then I told my dad that I was going to take a break. And he, you know, he was scared because he thought I was going to quit. Quit. I can't even talk. (laughs) Quit. He thought I was going to quit school altogether. Which I guess from his point of view would, you know, he would be really sad about because he came from Cuba, worked his ass off to make sure me and my brother got great education so we can succeed and we can get degrees and we can get good jobs so we can take care of ourselves. And I, part of that was like, I need to obviously be doing this for myself, but I'm also doing this for my dad, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's pushed me and supported me. He's gotten me through all of this. And that's how I repay my dad. Yeah. Um, but I, my best friend, Ramiro shout out to Ramiro. Um, <laughs> He was like, hey, you should try hospitali- uh, hospitality. I think you'd do really well in it because I'm in it. I love it. And then I was like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Why not? And then I did that and took a cooking class at school, took a cruise line management class, took hospitality law, event management class, <clears throat> restaurant management class. And kind of got my foot in the door of every little thing. And every single class was amazing. I learned so much. It was so fun. I took a wine tasting class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which every person that I tell that to was like, what? Wine tasting? Like, yes. Like, we sat down in class and sampled wines and ate popcorn and bread and talked about wine, which is pretty fucking cool. Um, And it just kind of. It just felt right. Yeah, I have um, I have a special place in my heart for hospitality people because yeah. you know while you were while you were in school for hospitality, I was in school for journalism, but I was working in rest. You know, I was working at a restaurant for like seven years. So whether you're in the hotel uh, industry or in the restaurant industry, you know, a lot of it is dealing with people. And uh, when I think people, of a, a uh-huh. little bit. I think everything is hospitality. If you really think about it, mm-hmm. you are, whether you're in the medical field or in the restaurant, you are, is everyone is hospitality. Really is think true. about it. Yeah. You are providing a service to someone else. Mm-hmm. You're a doctor with a patient. Yeah. I am a hotel manager with a guest. You are a zipline guide with, a participant you are a finance rep you're a patient rep you're a restaurant manager with all your guests like everything is hospitality you are providing a service for someone else and your job and your whole industry depends on your customer service relationships and how you treat each other hard yeah everything is customer service like you said doctor patient all that i just Personally, I just think that there's a special kind of person that, uh, you know, restaurant wise and uh, hotel wise, oh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's I would a, never work in F&B. So 
kudos to everyone who can because I don't have the patience. Yeah, the the biz the biz was crazy. Uh, eventually, I'm gonna do an episode about like the that industry and kind of all the memories and stuff that I repressed. You saw me through a lot of that. Like I wasn't happy there at all. Like, but I was I was you know making a quick buck and moving on. Um, but you know it was cool because even though you were on the hotel side of it, like we both kind of dealt with our own kind of spawn of Satan customers and stuff. Right. That, that, and so it was, it was definitely quite a, quite a time, but you know, obviously I don't know why you're back there and you're, you're back doing your thing and it's not, it's a, it's a competitive industry, you know, but, yeah. but you, you found your way through. So after school was done, were you worried about like what was next? Uh, you know, you said you started getting into hospitality, but was it difficult for you to find uh, kind of a, a role in that industry? I mean, not really, because the hospitality program at FIU was so great. Um, part of that requirement to graduate was to get hours. Mm -hmm. You had to have, I believe it was like 1,700 hospitality hours in order to graduate. And you had to have people like sign off on it to make sure you got your hours done. And, and because of those hours, it, it pushed me to reach out to do things. So again, I... Um, applied to the Biltmore. I got an internship with a wedding planner, got into the wedding planning industry. I did that. Um, I did a market, like an intern at a, uh, for a marketing and communications company. And that's what I got to travel around the country and work with like Hispanic high top executives mm -hmm. um, for companies across the country. And all of those opportunities branched from having the need to get those hours done in order to graduate. Yeah. So that pushed me out there out of my comfort zone to make those relationships and caused me, you know, I'm sorry, resulted me to network and build the relationships that I have till today and kind of led me to where I am. That's great. Would you say you're happy in this industry? I'm content. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, I'm, uh... I'm happier where I am right now because I've, worked to get into the position that i am is this something that you see yourself doing in the long run not sure yet um i just because life happens things change you know like i i even think i'd be working for hotels i thought i was gonna work wedding planning or yeah. something else you know i actually i with our friend vettel i told her i would have loved to work in cruise line management but then when i studied abroad in belize i learned all adventure tourism and sustainability and it was more like my love for ecotourism sustainability is so large that i would feel guilty working for a cruise line because a cruise line is like a floating trash can and i have i have trouble with that as all this is happening and you're finishing school and you're starting your or you're looking to start your career right a big uh life-changing uh, moment happens and something that a lot of people, especially, you know, at a young age in their twenties, never would have, never would think would happen to them. Um, and that of course is, uh, your battle with cancer. Now that's another conversation, a whole conversation that we're about to have. As I said, this is going to be a two part episode. So rather than getting into that right now, cause that's going to be a whole nother episode on its own. We're just going to kind of cut this first half right now right. so what i'm going to ask you to do now is to hit me with your your second song so we can sign off on the first episode and uh 
get started in the next conversation. All right. Second song is called Say Something Loving by the XX. Ooh. Because I love the XX. I love and the XX too. Mm-hmm. I, I can listen to them all day, all the time. And it makes me feel some kind of way when I'm listening to them. But I just love Say Something Loving. Okay. So Say Something Loving by the XX. Another great choice. Making great choices today, music. I'm so so proud of you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, signing off on this first episode uh, or this first half of the conversation. Uh, obviously, you know, this next part, this next part of the conversation is also going to be, you know, going to be a lot very heavy, also, but you know, a lot of big topics on the way. So uh, here we go. So thanks for this first half of the show. Say something loving. Don't remember the thrill of affection I just don't remember Growing all the time I do myself a disservice To feel this weak To be this nervous You say something loving It's so overwhelming The thrill of affection
signing off on another episode of the After the Storm podcast, part one of the season one finale with Michelle Savater. And that was quite a conversation we had. Obviously revealed a lot that she never needed to reveal, but she wanted to share her story and kind of raise awareness for her situation and anyone going through a similar situation uh, in terms of abortion. And then, of course, also the conversation about your upbringing and dealing with anxiety. And it was a really, really great and insightful first half of the conversation. So thank you, Michelle, again, for uh, sharing everything and for having that conversation with me as well. And so as we sign off for this week, I'll leave you guys with one more song. As I've made note of before, I have a special admiration for songs that are upbeat but have more of a sad meaning to it and the song we're choosing today is crazy by Niles barkley but rather than the studio version it's a live version sang by CeeLo green which really kind of captures the true essence and tone of that song and so just a live performance that i really appreciate honestly songs just sound so much better live sometimes so I'll leave you with this song and I'll see you guys next week for part two of the season one finale. As always, conquer today, conquer tomorrow, conquer the next day. Take care of each other. Peace and love.
I was good on ever since I was little. 